don't have to spend much time with me talking about Vinny and the Hitman to know how passionate I am about it and how I am going to do everything in my power to make it, uh, you know, a success. And by success, I don't mean money. I don't mean records. I don't mean recordings. I don't mean Facebook followers or Instagram followers. I mean standing in front of a group of people and touching one person in the crowd, touching their soul in a way that makes them understand everything I've wanted to do is possible. That's what I want to do. And if we're in front of 300 or 3,000 and we get one, Job's done. Move on to the next crowd. You know what I mean? This episode contains adult language and adult humor. Since when have trumpet players ever been considered adults? If you are easily offended by these types of conversations, consider switching to the oboe. Welcome to the Trumpet Guru Saying Podcast. I'm your host, Jose Johnson. My guest for this episode is Vinny Chichelsky. Vinny, well, he's returning for a second round here at The Hang to discuss his new project, Vinny and the Hitmen a 15-piece horn-driven band that features some of Nashville's heaviest hitters. But Vinny's vision of the Hitmen is not just about knockout performances. It's also about touching the lives of young musicians to show them that anything is possible when you have enough passion and are willing to put in the work that it takes to go be awesome. So, pour yourself a big glass, pull up a chair, and let the hang begin! All right, and welcome to a special edition of the Trumpet Gurus Hang. I am joined for the second time, yes, two times. He he is a repeat offender by <laughs> my brother from another mother, the one and only Vinny Chachowski. Vinny, yeah. welcome back to the show, my bud. And thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here. I appreciate you squeezing me in, man. I really do. It's awesome. Oh, man, Vinny, I am... Uh, I'm your number one fan. Well, maybe not, <laughs> but I, I, I'm definitely I'm definitely uh, in in the top uh, top ten percentile of uh, of the the fans of of Vinny. And uh, man, you've got so much stuff going on. And uh, let, I just want to hop right into it, man, because this is a big one, folks. Uh, Vinny and the Hitman have got some product coming your way. So let's talk about uh, what's been going on with that and, and what people can expect and how they can get it and, you know, all that good stuff. Well, uh, thank you so much, uh, Jose. I appreciate it, man. And Vinny and the Hitman was was uh, we had our first rehearsal, man, uh, in mid December last year on a Sunday afternoon, um, and I'll never forget it. It was it was a whole bunch of people that I really love, and a really cool band. We came together. We had six charts, um, and and we played through a couple of them. And people were like, "Yeah, you know, that's pretty cool." It was loud, man. We were in the union rehearsal hall, and it's like you know the trumpets are facing the trombones, who are facing the saxes, and then the guitars and all that stuff. And it's like you know, with nine horns, um, it's not. Uh, well, subtlety has always been wasted on me and my playing, so you can imagine what it what it sounds like. But uh, I, I went into this diatribe about, you know, what my vision for the band was, man. And and I said things like, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to record six tunes and we're, we're going to release uh, shorts and, and half lengths and full lengths on all the social media platforms. And, and uh, I want that to be done by August. And by August we had done them that we still got one to go. 
Um, the other thing I said was I, I want to play the whole point of the band, man, is education. It really is. I mean, you and I are perfect examples of this. I've been in Nashville since 92 and, uh, I have made a good living as a full-time musician playing commercial music. And now that could be commercial, what I call commercial classical, which is not like what the Nashville symphony does when they do Mahler, Mahler three or Mahler five or, or any of the Mahlers. Um, but it is, you know, it's, it's that, it's that quasi classical that they do in a lot of recording and all that kind of stuff. And I've played rock and roll and pop and R and B and soul and gospel. And, you know, um, I can count the number of big band jazz records that I've played on. Although I have played on some really, really super cool ones. Um, but I want the kids that are coming through school now, what I've noticed is um, I think the teachers are doing a great job. I think classical music is is absolutely the most important foundation foundational tool that you can use as a musician, as a trumpet player or trombone or saxophone woodwind player. Um, and I think the skills, those skills translate over into jazz because then you start to come up with ideas and you have to have the facility and the technical ability and the flexibility to play jazz. Okay. Um, and then I think those two skills together combine to make you a great commercial player. So, you know, um, I feel like if you're coming out of school now and you don't know September, Uptown Funk, maybe Mustang Sally, uh, you know, all of the Temptation songs, any, any Motown, Chicago, Earth, Wind & Fire, maybe a little Blood, Sweat & Tears, all of that would widely be considered right down the throat of commercial music. Um, and so we want to present Vinny and the Hitman with nine horns and a big rhythm section as a familiar setup. So, hey, that looks like my high school stage band or that looks like my college jazz band or whatever the deal is. And, or it looks like the front line of the of the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, or the Tennessee Titans. Um, and, and then when we come out playing, um, you know, uh, Billie Eilish or Justin Timberlake or, you know, another tune like that. Then, then we're able to capture their attention because it's something that looks familiar, but it sounds completely different. So it's all instrumental, rock and roll, R&B. And so another thing that I talked about in that first meeting was we're going to do a public domain Christmas record. And they're like, well, why, why would you want to do public domain? There's so many great tunes. And I said, because we get to keep all the money. <laughs> <laughs> the public domain stuff, for those that, that most everybody knows, but for public domain stuff, you know, you... When you do an arrangement, then you own that arrangement and you make all of the money. There's no record company. There's no publishing company. There's no BMI. There's no ASCAP. There's no none of that stuff. You create that stuff. And so if we sell a record for 10 bucks, we keep $10, uh, which as far as record deals go is just unheard of. So um, I sat down with Jerry Goldenson um, at KHS. KHS is Mapex, Sonar. Majestic, Altus Flutes, um, Honer. They bought Honer. They also do XO instruments and Jupiter instruments. So they're really big in the band and orchestra world. And they're here in Middle Tennessee. Jerry and I have known each other for 10 years, and we've been, we've been trying to come up with an opportunity to work together. I sit down with Jerry, and I said, Jerry, you know, here's the deal. I don't want to be a nonprof. Um, I'm out of money. I've thrown, you know, all of our savings at this thing. And, and I just, you know, we're looking for some help, not necessarily from you, but, you know, 
you're smart guys. And we sat there for two or three hours, man, in his office. He's just a really giving guy. And, and uh, he says, man, I like the idea of this Christmas record and I'd like to help you with it. And I said, okay. He said, I've got a buddy, Joe West at, at West Barn, Gasoline uh, Inc. Studios. And uh, let me set it up. I'll take care of it. And I said, when you say take care of it, what do you mean? And he said, don't you worry. I got, I know a guy, you know, and he's like that, you know, he's kind of a big bald guy and he's like, Hey, yo, you know, he, he fell off a truck, that kind of guy, you know? And, um, and so it started to come together, man. And so two weeks ago on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we did three days of live recording at, uh, at Westbourne studios in Franklin, Tennessee. Um, all 14 of us plus a five or six man video crew plus Joe and three assistant engineers and all of the, all of the uh, staff and all from KHS. And, uh, we made a record. Um, and, but what I want to do was I told my arrangers, John Hinchy, who is a, a evil genius minus the evil, uh, one of the best humans I know and a longtime friend. I've known him since 1985. I said, I want these tunes to sound like, like when you hear this, it sounds like something you know, but it's a Christmas tune. And I want that to emphasize the fact that, you know, you don't have to go, we three kings of Orient. You can turn that into a really cool uh, tune, which a lot of people have done. Uh, and he, it's right up his alley because he's got a very dry, sort of a dad, punny sense of humor. So all of his arrangements have quotes from like TV shows in them and they cross over genres and they swing for just a little while, just long enough to be like, we don't swing. And then it goes right back into rock and roll. And I mean, it's just really incredible. Um, and he's been doing it forever. He's been, he worked for King's, uh, King's productions, um, in the eighties. And he does, you know, the amusement park thing. He does the cruise ship thing. He does, you know, he was writing shows and Broadway stuff and all that kind of stuff. And then we have another arranger, Scott Hearn, who's a young guy, um, just got out of the Marines a couple of years ago, Semper Fi and, and Nua and all that good stuff. He's a bass trombone player. And I said, you want to write some songs? And he said, yeah, 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 sure. I said, well, I need him by October 15th. And he said, ah, no problem. This is about maybe six weeks ahead of time. And we start to get up to the deadline and he's like, uh, uh, when do we need these? <laughs> <laughs> and it's the first time he's ever had anything recorded and the same sensibility. He took these beautiful songs, um, you know, and, and he picked some of the ones that are a little bit more, um, a little less known and turned them into these. One of them is, uh, let me see if I can find a list here. Um, we did one of them in the, in a, uh, as if Led Zeppelin were playing with horns. That's one. We did okay. um, another song in the style of the Blues Brothers um, Rawhide. L literally just like we play both kinds of music, country and Western, and it's hysterical, complete, complete with the horse whinny and the whole nine yards. Um, we did, um, oh, what was that? Chariots of Fire. Remember Chariots of Fire from the mid 80s? Yeah. We did a, we did a, um, Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, I think, in the, in the uh, style of Chariots of Fire. Com complete with the... I mean, it's hysterically... Like, when you listen, you're like, what's going on here? And then we come in with the melody. And 
there's some great solos. The ensemble playing is just scary. And we did 10 songs. Uh, they're all about three, three and a half minutes long. We did 10 songs in four sessions. Um, so two, two, six or seven hour days. Um, the entire thing was videotaped. Um, and so basically what KHS is doing is they're going to use it on their site to, you know, because I played, I played an XO and all the trombone players were playing. Um, Hercules stands came out and they, they had all the stands and the mic stands and music stands and all that stuff. And um, Royer Labs, um, who, if you ask our friend Michael Barkley about, um, they're, they're just kind of the royalty of the, of the ribbon world. They're a boutique company, but you know, Gary Grant, Jerry Hay, uh, Reichenbach, um, uh, Wayno, they all have been recording on Royer 121 for years and years and years. And so um, John Jennings, the vice president, um, fell in love with the band. Just like I introduced myself through a customer service issue with Royer, the vice president steps in and says, this has taken way too long. I'm gonna replace your part for free out of my own collection. And I'll worry about the rest of this stuff later. I mean, it was unbelievable. This is the vice president of a, you know, a fairly large company. And I told him about the band. He said, oh, I'd love to hear the band. And he was at our first gig. Um, and they have provided on kind of on consignment to us, probably $30,000 worth of Royer microphones for our live and studio performances. So, <clears throat> I had told the guys back in the first meeting, we're going to do a Christmas record. And by mid-October, the, the record was in the can, and now we're going to release it. And so all of these crazy ideas that I had were, you know, which I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to try really hard. Um, the other thing we talked about doing was going around to some of the local high schools and junior high schools and playing free concerts for the kiddos. I mean, how do you put that together with, a, with, with the, some of the most elite musicians in Nashville? These guys are working all the time. I talked to Dave Pomeroy down at the down at our union, the AFM 257. And he said, man, the, the Musicians Trust Fund is doing this really cool thing now where they, if you go into schools, they are paying 100% of the freight on the band. I said, wait, what, what do you mean? I, you know, we've all done green sheet gigs, you know, where you, you know, the way that works is if I book the band and the band costs 1500 bucks, um, the school has to come up with 750 and the music and the union will pay the other 750. Now they're paying the whole hundred percent. Wow. So I had told these guys, I want to do next January in 2023. I want to do at least five high school dates in the middle Tennessee area where we're going to capture video. We're going to play for a couple of hundred kids a day. Um, Cause they include all of the marching band, the concert band, the jazz band, all the ensembles, the orchestra, the choir people, the theater people, We'll all be sitting in the in the um, auditorium, and we're, it, I talked to Dave. Dave said we can do five of them in January. I booked them, and the last week of January, we're doing five high school dates here in Middle Tennessee. So all of these crazy things, um, I believe, because I spoke them into the universe, and this is this will come into when you know this this kind of comes into your wheelhouse. I spoke them with conviction to those men and women in that band last December, and they have manifested in our lives with a quickness um, that is not like anything I've ever seen. 
It's really, really amazing. So the record's going to be ready December 1st. Uh, it's 10 songs. Um, included in the package, of course, will be, you know, a, a lovely cover, um, cover art, um, all, all of the credits, all of the shorts. We're doing two reels on each tune to to put over on Instagram and Facebook and, and live on YouTube. We're doing three full-length videos, um, and they're doing a trailer, almost like a movie trailer, where they'll have interviews, and they'll have part of the music, and then they'll have part of the finished music and part of the live thing and, and all that kind of stuff. And all of that will be included in the digital package. And I think the pre-orders, which start on December 1st, which, I mean, I'm sorry, November 1st, which happens to be today when we're doing this interview, uh, 10 bucks. Crazy. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I know that's a lot of information. I've had a couple cups of coffee this morning, as you can tell. Um, <laughs> but man, I, I, I have, I, I can't tell you the last time I was this excited about a, a project. I mean, it's really remarkable. Rob Qualick is playing. Uh, Tyler Yeager's playing. So, you know, that's trouble. The three of us, you know, it's like, and, and Rob was in the sessions, man. And he's, he, you know, Rob, I mean, great player, no BS. Uh, um, um, he's just a phenomenal trumpet player, perfectly in tune, perfectly executed. The guy is just pinpoint accurate. And he's a fun guy to hang out with. He says, hey, man, you want to like a double D on that? <laughs> and I'm like, you're not asking me to play it because I'm the wrong guy for that. And he says, no, 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 I got it, man. And, you know, and just it's just it's remarkable. Jeff Adams on on um, on trombone, he played lead with the uh, jazz ambassadors of 20 years. Um, my friend John Hinchy, Scott Hearn, uh, the saxophone section was like five different guys, uh, all of which are incredible. Kevin Gatsky, Evan uh, Cobb, Mitch Riley. Mitch is the most soulful cat I know um, and and is so fun to be with as a human being because everything, he's thankful for everything. You know, I got stung by a bee. Somehow he turns that into like, you know, but he left some honey right there. I can't believe it, you know, and it's just, and, uh, you know, just all the way, the, the rhythm section was just phenomenal. My friend Edward Freitag, who's an incredible educator for a number of years, Steve E.B. on drums, um, Scotty Huff. Do you know Scotty? Scott, um, is he a guitar player? No, he's a, he's a trumpet player from, he's a trumpet player from Nashville, um, right. or that moved to Nashville right around the same time I did. And he, and a couple of years ago, he was out with a country artist with a with a with his horn section called the Hell Yeah Horns. And it was just great. He's a great trumpet player, he's a shoki artist. Um some for some reason he decided he wanted he's a great singer. He does a lot of kids' music and he does a lot of like he sits at home in his man pants and does sessions. Um and he's a great arranger and an incredible trumpet player. And I get this note. I'm like looking for a bass player sub and somebody said, Well why don't you call Scotty Huff? And I was like we 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 got three trumpet players already. Scotty's a great player, but you know we've we've got oh no he's playing bass now. The kid comes in, and is playing like he's been sleeping with that instrument for thirty years. Phenomenal, and an incredible attitude. And then uh, one of my favorite guys in the whole band, really, um, John Palmer. Um, John, I went to his house when we first started this thing. He's got every new and vintage keyboard known to man 
and he has a generous and loving and incredibly talented spirit and picked up the the uh, nickname from himself. I said, hey, man, does anybody want to do that again after we had cut one of the things? And he said, yeah, you know, I, I could probably take a second pass at that, uh, you know, since uh, my name is Johnny Two Takes. And it's stuck, man. So he's credited on the record, John, Johnny Two Takes, uh, Palmer, a great guy. I mean, it's just it's just remarkable um, the amount of talent um, that the, 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 they're all fired up about the project, too, man. They believe in teaching. Um, they believe that it's going to be successful in, in late 2023 and 2024. I want this to be such a substantial account for everybody in this band that they can really quit doing the things that they don't want to do anymore. Because it, first of all, it's a love fest. It's killer music. I mean, we're doing get it on by chase. Yeah, come on. It's, it's like, it's like a high school trumpet players dream. We're doing that. We're doing Birdland. And, you know, it's high notes, it's low notes, it's flugel, it's muted, it's rocket. It's just, I'm so tickled to death with it, man. Can you tell? I really right. am. <laughs> I don't see any excitement from you at all. <laughs> Woo, man, it's really neat. It's really neat. But then again, I mean, you're you're definitely uh, one of those one of those cats that, uh, you know, you, you, whatever, whatever you, you got going on, man, you, you, you don't make... Um, yeah, you don't you don't half step it, you know. You're 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 in, you know, <laughs> and that, and that's that's absolutely cool. But you know, I I think so. So one of the things that went when you told me about doing this originally, um, I thought it was such a great idea uh, for so many reasons. I mean, one is it's going to be you know ear candy for me, but uh, you know, like what you're doing in making uh, making instrumental music much more palatable to uh a new generation you know we were lucky uh being being old heads of uh being in that that era when bands like you know maynard's man and and you know cats like that were were doing the during the tours i mean i remember seeing maynard and woody woody herman and you know uh you know it, the, the bands were always coming through our areas you know and doing clinics and you know, you don't see that as much anymore. Um, mm -hmm. And it's it's really, I mean, that was inspirational to me. And that was one of the reasons why, you know, I, I really kind of got bit by the, the performing bug. So, you know, you being able to do that, and especially in Nashville, man, there's just so many freaking good people down there. Uh, oh, and it's, it's great that you're able to do that. So, you know, when, when you we were talking about like, manifesting bringing it to an existence um yeah you're right that's kind of like in my my wheelhouse right there but i i think that the the thing that, that is so crucial and i think that the people really need to understand and learn and you know this is a perfect example is that you know when you go into something with that level of clarity and resolve and commitment and passion there's there's actually you you have to go out of your way to screw it up. You know? That's the truth. That and, is the truth. That's the truth. And I, I think that, you know, for so many people, whether it be in their musical careers or other, you know, whatever professional careers or their relationships or things like that, you know, there there's so many people that are unhappy, uh, but they're not clear on why they're unhappy and they don't have a plan on how to get out of that funk. 
<laughs> Man, write a book, brother. Preach. I'm I'm with you 100. percent And and just to kind of uh, circle back to something you said, you said you know you don't half step it um, when you go into something. So years ago in Nashville, when I first came into Nashville, it was a much different scene. I, I think Nashville has become more accepting because it's such a melting pot for um, culture and music and and just people in general. We got people moving in from all over the world, but, you know, from the East Coast, from the West Coast, you know, and, and that used to be a situation where those two forces would 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 bang heads. But I know some some best friends, man, people who have met since they moved to Nashville. One guy's from New York. He's like, hey, yo, they don't got no good pizza down here. And another guy is like, well, I don't eat pizza because it has gluten in it, you know, from California. And they're best buddies and they're writing songs and they're they're making hit records. And it's it's really incredible. Years ago, though, it wasn't it wasn't as much like that. And I contributed to it on on a level back then because I was not the same person that I am now. Um, if, if if there were two decisions, positive and negative, I would take the negative decision almost 100 percent of the time. Um, I don't do that anymore. You know, not uh, I try not to do that anymore. Um, but I was sitting in the session, man. And we were we were working on a gospel record, and the the arranger Lloyd Berry had done his normal magical job of um, arranging around this thirty piece choir with five lead voices, and and gospel rhythm section that the keyboard player is playing with all ten fingers, two toes, and an elbow. Uh, so it's difficult to kind of wedge things in there, you know, horn wise. You know, it's like you got this wall of sound and beep. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's such a challenge. And I remember just thinking, God, I'm so lucky to be in this world. I'm so lucky to be sitting here you know, playing high notes for Jesus, as it were. Um, and the trombone player said, guys, this is taking a long time. I got another place I got to be. And it, it, cha it really changed my life because I thought, I want to walk in, and I've not always done this, but I strive to do this. It's it's the person, it's the me I want to be. Wherever you are, sitting right here with you, even though we're not in the same room, talking to you and feeling your energy and, and listening to the things that you have to contribute to this conversation. This is the coolest place on earth right now. And I want to be here. I want to be here. I want to be here to spread the word about Vinny and the Hitman. I want to catch up with you, my friend. Um, and I do wish we were in the same room. I wish we were sitting right next to each other. Uh, this interview could go on for hours that way. But, you know, it's just like it, it, that's the advice that I would give to, to, to anybody coming up is where you are right now is that's just the best thing that you could be doing. And then finish that and enjoy that and live in that moment. And then move on to the next thing. You know what I mean? We're going to get it done. We wound up doing four songs. We got done 15 minutes earlier than we were supposed to. Not because he was complaining that we were, but it was just, you know, it's the ebb and flow of a session. You know how that goes. Sometimes you get to a lick and you can't play the lick and you got to move on and come back to the lick. And that takes a little extra time. But then the next tune, you read it down the first time. It's 80 bars long. You play 79 of them perfect. And all you got to do is overdub the last note, you know, and it just works that way. So that's what I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to do. Really, really kind of enjoy that place where I am. And, and that's the cool thing about music. Um, music is life-changing as we know. It's life-changing for us because we're lucky. 
we're, we, you know, I'm tenacious and disciplined. You know how much I practice, man. I've already put two and a half hours in today. Um, and we'll put another couple of hours in. Um, and so we're, I'm taking that thimble full of talent that I was given in whatever line it was in heaven before I came down as a baby and I'm stretching it and I'm pressing on it and I'm patching the holes in it, making the most that I can out of it. But music is life-changing. That's the cool thing about this record. Uh, circling back to Vinny the Hitman, which, by the way, was not my idea. That was Tyler Yeager. He said, man, you're going to start a band, you're going to call it Vinny and the Hitman. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that is perfect. It's just perfect. Because it's all, you know, it's all musical hits all the time. We're not going to go break anybody's knees with a baseball bat unless, yeah, you know, yeah. we get to the end of the game. We get to the end of the gig, they don't have the money, you know, and I got one in the car, so you don't have to worry about that. But uh, uh, none of my guys will hurt anybody, just me. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. Just, uh, qual Qualics hurt me a few times, but uh, yeah, uh, here, you know. multiple ways in, multiple in my ways. wallet. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think uh, it's like the gospel music industry. Okay, you know, full half of the recordings I've done, and still, I just did a, I just did a record this week where I did four tunes for a guy out in uh, California. And it was it was joyful, man. It was so much fun, so creative and so awesome. The music was great, the message is good. The gospel music, so this is how I look at gospel music and, and this will make sense in a minute. You got six kids, a wife, you're running behind, it's Sunday morning, you're yelling at everybody, your youngest hasn't gotten out of bed, you, you gotta feed everybody, you gotta get them into the whatever clothes they're gonna wear to church and you gotta get them in the minivan, right? in the minivan and, and, you know, feathers can be ruffled and, and uh, feelings can be hurt and voices can be raised in those situations. When you get in that car, that's where I come in because what you do is you go to your serious station and you find Kirk Franklin or Donnie McClurkin or Yolanda or whoever it is and you bang it and it's playing while you go to church. And so you're going from angry parent, hurt child to, you're going through this transformation in the 20 minute ride to church. And this music is taking you to a place where you can go to church and you can receive what you are supposed to receive at church. Okay. I've always looked at that, whatever that middle part of that day is, that's me. That's what I do. That's the joy that I bring to somebody's life. I prepare them to worship with this Christmas record, you know, and it's funny because we, you know, Halloween was yesterday, so Walmart is probably all poinsettias and Christmas trees right now. Uh, a lot of places have been doing it for a long time, so Christmas keeps getting earlier and earlier. Uh, and and I'm not helping because I'm hawking a Christmas record. <laughs> but um, these tunes, like you'll hear, like I'm looking at a list: "Angels We Have Heard on High," "Deck the Halls," "God Rest You Merry Gentlemen." In look, the happiest tune of all: "In the Bleak Midwinter." I don't know, Jolly Old St. Nick, Low How a Rose, uh, Oh Come, Oh Come, Up on the Housetop, We Three Kings. All these tunes you've heard a bazillion times. But when you hear our treatment on these tunes, and they sound like a song that you know, but it's a Christmas song, that we're going to do the same thing. You're going to be, it's going to be after work. You will have just finished at four o'clock. You're going to be sitting in traffic, and you're going to be chewing on steel nails because you're so pissed. And you're going to throw this record on, and this is what it's going to do. It's going to make you smile. It's going to make you laugh. 
It's going to bring you incredible joy of the season. And it's going to remind you why you just did that job for eight hours and why you're sitting in traffic to get to your kid's basketball game or whatever you're doing. It's going to remind you. So in much the way the gospel music does, you can turn you can turn any song on this record on at any time, and it will. I promise you, I'll give you your money back if it doesn't make you smile. How about that? Yeah, that sounds like a sounds like a deal to me, man. I will give you your money back if it doesn't make you smile. If a song on this record doesn't make you smile and laugh, I will give you your money back, and you can keep the record. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> like you're saying, man, it's the power of music, and um. I think sometimes, uh, you know, it's easy for us to get jaded as working musicians. Um, and I mean, it's, a, it's, it's life, man. It's life. We all go through this. And no matter what we do, there, there are times when you love what you do. And there's times when you're not particularly wanting to be where you are. But like you oh, said, if, if, you, if you consciously choose to look at, at this moment that you're in, as being the perfect place for you to be at this moment. And that you you just, you soak it all in, you do your best, you give your best. Uh, that's when the magic starts to happen in life. Because, you know, like you, you were saying, you know, every every moment you have, you, you, you can make a good choice or you can make a bad choice. And, uh, yeah, I, I kind of feel like, you know, if, if, you're, if you're not, if, if you don't like the way things are, then you need to change the way you do things. You know, because, you know, we kind of keep going, going through the same, same thing. And, you know, we have to consciously make that decision. It's like, well, if I'm, if I hate my gig, well, I either need to get a new gig or I need to figure out how to love what I'm doing right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For me, uh, you know, like I I don't have the illustrious career that that you do. uh, But, you know, just the fact that, you know, I've, I've got a steady gig, I'm working uh i'm yeah i'm not not doing much recording but you know I, i'm i'm playing mostly events i'm playing mostly weddings which you know when i was a younger musician i always kind of looked down on wedding bands and i was i was telling the owner of our our uh, our band the the the, uh, the the head of it it's like you know i really feel blessed to have this gig because weddings are like you know, they're one of, they should be one of the best days of your life, depending, you know, hindsight, sometimes it may be the worst day of your life if you made a bad choice. But it's the fact that that I get to be a part, a major part of like the biggest day someone has, you know, has got to experience in their life to this point. And that I will, you know, I can contribute to that. I can contribute to that joy and so I take it, I take it as a very serious thing, you know, uh, that, that what I'm doing is a service to somebody and it's making the, it's making their day better, making their life a little bit better. So it's an honor, it's a privilege and, and there's a duty to it, you know, that, that you can have fun, but you need to be serious about what you are doing. So like for you and the hitman, what it sounds like to me is it's that perfect balance of your you are all serious musicians. There, there is not a joker in that in that pack. <laughs> but you guys all know how to have fun doing oh, yeah. what you're doing. Oh yeah. And oh yeah. That's cool. I, I ran a I I I ran a uh 
uh, DCA Drum and Bugle Corps here in Nashville for about five years. I was the Corps director. A, very, a, a huge privilege of my life. I met those people. I came in as kind of a, they were getting ready to go to finals one year, and I came in and I told them how they were swinging. They were swinging about as hard as the rusty gate in Jurassic Park, and they needed to clean that up. And and in one rehearsal, man, I got them shaking it a little bit, you know, and I'm, I'm like, and so the thing I used to say, and this is, I mean, it's a little crass, but but it is true, sensitive to anybody that has suffered from this, but we were standing in the end zone with the DCA. It's not like the DCI cores where they go on tour and they do the show like 60 times in a summer. With DCA, the, the performances are few and far between. So you get maybe four or five chances a year. Uh, and you've been working on this thing since December, the year before. So you're in July now is your first show. And you know, people are nervous. They're amateurs. They're paying to play. We did an end zone, you know, where we would come out on the field from the end zone, kind of old school. And I'm standing there, and two things happened. Joe Murphy, who is an incredible human being, who uh, I, one of my oldest friends. I've known him since the mid-'80s, too. He's down in Florida now. Tuba player, bass player. He was the the uh, band leader and the idea man behind the Loud Horns. Do you remember the Loud Horns? Absolutely. Yeah. He did that CD uh, with Steve playing the part of Maynard, who which he did very well. Um, Joe said, which I've stolen since, first time I ever heard anybody pat somebody on the butt and say, go be awesome. And I was like, God, that just encompasses everything. It encompasses everything. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm making a suggestion. I'm not saying that I'm awesome. I'm saying you go and you be the best you you can be right now. For the next 12 minutes, I want you to be awesome. And when somebody else is putting that kind of energy behind you, it's not that it's not a big step for you to go, hell yeah, I'm going to be awesome. And then what I used to say was, guys, I know you're nervous. If anybody trips over the cure for cancer on the 50 yard line, we're all going to split it and be super rich. Okay, go get them. Meaning uh, it's <laughs> it's not like we're standing over somebody doing open heart surgery. We're blowing in a tube. You know what I mean? And the thing about the wedding band, and I joke around about September, Earth, Wind & Fire was just here. When you hear EWF play uh, September, you're like, that's it. That's what I want to sound like. Now, you do September 120 times a year, let's say, right? So at the end of the 120th time, you're like, oh, wait, if I play September one more time. And you got to add like, you know, times 10 years. So you've played the song a thousand times, you know what I mean? The challenge for somebody in that situation and the challenge for the hitmen too, because we're, you know, one of the things I promised was we're not going to do long solos. We're going to do 16 bar solos. So if you've got something to say, you better say it quick and get out because my wife, Beth, who I adore and is the perfect partner for me, she is our demographic somewhat because she would come to hear the big band concerts and she would say, Vinny, I love when the whole band's playing and and I can hear the melody and all that stuff. But when those guys stand up and take a 15-minute solo, I, I need a cup of coffee. And so I was like, okay, I'm not playing for other musicians, although it does appeal to other musicians. But I, I'm playing for the general public. I, I don't want to say, Jose, man, we got a gig on Wednesday nights, $10 cover. Will you come? And you say, yeah, sure, man, I'd be glad to. And then you say, hey, Vinny, I got a gig on Friday. It's a $10 cover. You know what we've just done? We've just recycled $10. Neither one of us is richer. 
Neither one of us has made any money. We've supported each other, which is awesome. But what I want is I want you to come and I want to put you on a guest list. And I want a whole demographic of people with a little bit of extra money that are going to buy a Christmas record and a t-shirt and really, really enjoy what they're hearing. So we're going to appeal to them with that. I don't know what I went off on a little tangent there. It was the, yeah. Oh, it's a September thing, man. So like when we were out on the road years ago with Kirk Franklin, the, the sections that I took out with me, I was, I was fortunate to be able to book some of my best friends. And I said, guys, we're not creating here. We're not creating anything. When you play September, you're not creating anything. You're creating, there's a joyful noise coming out the end of the bell. But what you're doing is you're creating an experience, but you're not writing a piece of music or creating a piece of music or, or there's nothing esoteric about it. What it is, is repetitive excellence. So what you want to do is you want to think, God, I remember that EWF concert, man, and Bobby, here's how he played this. And then you tell the guys in the section, let's let's just, I know we've played this a million times. Let's listen to it and see if there's anything different we can do with this song to make it better and to make it more excellent. And then tomorrow night, I want to play it exactly the same way we played it tonight, only I want it to be one note better or one dynamic better or one short note or one articulation or whatever it is. Repetitive excellence. That's the key to... And we do it with Vinny and the Hitman because we got some stuff that's like a bunch of high Q flats that's really put together in a way that's very difficult. And uh, it's a challenge. And you want to do it consistently because people are going to be laying for that lick. If they've heard it on the if they've heard it on the recording, they're going to go, well, let's see what we do with this on a live situation. And when you peg it or when you nail it or when you make their nose bleed a little bit because you played a, a beautiful double C... That's it, man. That is it right there. And so um, I don't like to use the phrase like-minded because I think it has some connotations outside of music, but it's it's there. there isn't a better way to put it. You stand up there with that band, uh, whether you're playing for 500 people at a wedding or 50,000 people at a concert venue, and your job is to repeat excellence. And man, if everybody takes that attitude again, that, you know, and, and when you're in that groove, when you're thinking about that, man, I'm going to lay back 70% rule and I'm going to play the crap out of this lick in September. I'm just going to play it to the best of my ability right now. You're, you're not thinking about where you're going next. You're, you're definitely living in the moment because one note at a time, man, you're, you're right there in the moment. You're, and, and it is the coolest place to be where you are right there with your section guys and girls and with that band creating this situation for these people and, and making it a, making a joyful noise. I mean, I, I could talk about this stuff all day, man. And, and that's what I want to convey. I don't want to stand in front of college professors and students and say, your professors are teaching you wrong. You know, you're never going to make any money at jazz and you're never going to. And there's only 60 trumpet jobs for classical musicians. I'm never going to say any of that stuff because I believe that if you have the ability and the tenacity and the discipline that you can make. I'm telling you, man, with with the amount of talent that I was given and the physical situation that I have, it is a miracle that I can pick up the horn and play a middle, a tuning note C. And every time I do it, that's what I consider it. A miracle. 
And everybody's got those situations. So <clears throat> I want to stand up in front of these people, whether it's at a Christmas concert, you know, Merry Happy Ho Ho, or or if it's at a jazz festival, or if it's at a clinic, or wherever it is, and I want to convey the message to the people that <clears throat> if you've got it, that's really the key, and you need to find somebody that you trust to tell you if you've got it. You had a teacher that said, Jose, I think you got talent here, man, and I think you could do this for a living, and you were like, okay, and that was the first person that made you believe that you could do what you do right? So you you have to have it. You have to have somebody to encourage you. That's pretty easy to find because you can always zoom in on me. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'll let you know, man. Um, and then, you know, the discipline and the tenacity. And I want to I say what they're teaching you, classical music, is the most important thing that you can learn because it's a great foundation. And what they're teaching you as far as jazz goes your band leader is going to turn around to you one day and he's going to say, in the key of Q flat, take a ride. You're going to have to play in concert E. You're going to have to play in concert B. All the booger keys, you know what I mean? So the jazz thing that you're learning, that lends itself to this commercial music. And those two things together, just because your teacher hasn't done a gig in 50 years, doesn't mean... Now, and even if you want to be a teacher, we've got so many teachers here in Middle Tennessee that that play on the weekends. They 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 take their lunch and they practice their trombone so on the weekends they can go out and and again make a joyful noise in a wedding band or a corporate band or whatever the deal is. And 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 the other thing, <laughs> sorry. Um if you come into town, if you move into Nashville, this is one of the things I want to say in my pitch. If you move into Nashville, and I ran into a tenor player about six months ago, young guy, 25, just got his master's, North Texas kid, burning player. <laughs> I mean, that guy just tore that horn up one side and down the other. And I was really impressed. And I went over and I said, hey, man, what do you want to, you know, welcome to Nashville. I'm one of the OGs. You know, you you probably won't have to pay attention to me, but uh, um, what do you want to do? And he said, man, I really want to play jazz. And I said, you know, you're in Nashville, Tennessee, right? Like, like knocking on the window. He said, yeah, man, you know, there's a bunch of jam sessions around and all that kind of stuff. And you know what? My, my pitch on that has changed a little bit. If you go to Rudy's, which is the big jazz club here in, in town, I think it's Wednesday nights, might be Tuesdays. They have a jam session. They have a leader of the band and they have the band. Those guys get paid. If you show up at the door with a horn, you pay half cover, which you think is cool but you're paying to play, right? And you can go to all these jam sessions all week. What I want you to do is, I want you to get a gig with a corporate band on a Saturday because there's a band here in town. If you fly out Friday night, play one gig on Saturday and come back Sunday morning, they will pay you $1,200. For a 25-year-old guy that's living in a house with 16 other people and, and eats Happy Meals, <laughs> every day 1200 bucks a week is plenty of money for you to do whatever you want then you can go to all of those jam sessions all week and work on your jazz chops all week and then on a weekend you play september but you and I, so i said to him i said you know you gotta know uptown fact oh yeah 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 i know that tune i'm like do you know it could you play it for me right now well no i mean i would need a chart well then you don't know it 
I want you to know that tune because it's a great song. September. Oh, yeah, I've played September. I've played September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, what about Mustang Sally? He picked up his phone, went into his notes, and said, Mustang Sally, who's that by? Had never heard the song. So that's the message, man. You know, I mean, there have been years when, and I've, I've said this before, there was a gig I had a couple of, you know, a number of years ago. And I, I think you and I talked about this in our last conversation. My wife said, what's your magic? And I, I told her what my magic number was. And the next couple of days that gig came up and the guy asked me what I want to make. And I told him my magic number. And he said, yes, it was a thousand dollars a day for that gig. I'm not saying that to, I'm trying not to be a jerk. I'm not saying it to brag. What I'm saying it is, if there's a kid out there that's watching this right now, that's in college, that's trying to make a decision about what he wants to do. I want that statement right there. You can make a thousand dollars a day playing the trumpet. And that's all I did was play trumpet. I wasn't playing keyboards or percussion or being a road manager, any of that stuff. I was a trumpet player in a four piece horn section. That's how much I made. And it is possible for a kid from a town that was that big. I didn't have a, I did not have a private trumpet teacher all the way through high school because there was nobody around to teach me. And now, you know, and now this. So all of that stuff together, all of that good energy, all of that good stuff has come together with Vinny and the Hitman. And if we can stand in front of 300 people at one of these high schools that we're playing in January and through our message and our music, make them say, you know what? I still want to be an orthodontist, but I think I want to keep on playing. I want to do marching band. I want to go to, I want to go to Alabama and be in the million dollar band and travel all over the country. And then, you know, I'll be making good money as a dentist. I can buy a really good horn and I can play on the weekends and then I'll meet my super hot wife at a jazz festival. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, like, it's just so, it's, it's so, and so all of that energy is, is, is in Vinny and the Hitman. And I can't wait to get in front of people. And I, I had a guy, a friend of mine, a drummer who came to the first gig and he said, Vinny, the energy that you that the band is making right now is incredible. He said, when you all take a collective breath to start a song, the entire audience goes like this, moves in. And then when you play, they move back. And, and that to me, man, I mean, there's just not much better than that, man. It's super cool. So buy our yeah. Christmas record. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. That that that's gonna be uh my my typical uh christmas playlist is uh uh harry connick uh, oh, yeah. uh chicago and oh, yeah. the bootsy christmas oh. album so now we, we're going to throw in vinnie and the hitman and and oh, yeah. uh, that that's definitely going to be on, on the must listen for for me for sure um but you know it, I, what I like is um, that combination of, you know, taking the, the like you said, a public domain, uh, the, you know, for the most part, these are tunes that we all know we've heard before, giving them uh, an updated treatment, giving them a somewhat uh, entertainment, uh, entertaining uh, kind of slant, you know, using using a little musical humor and and uh, and things like that to just just to make it a little bit different. Um, 
I think that's great because it, it shows that um, there is a level of personality and there's a level of inventiveness and creativity that goes into this process. So it's not just whipping out another uh, chorale. It's not whipping out just, an, you know, another typical, you know, jazz arrangement, a, a smooth jazz arrangement of, of uh, God rest you, Mayor and gentlemen. You know, so yeah. what you're doing, it, it shows that uh, anything is possible. Uh, in terms of, of of what you can do as a musician, if you're willing to take the chance. Now, sometimes it's it's not going to be commercially successful or accepted by everybody, but but there there really are no limits on what you can do musically, other than the limits that you put on yourself. I agree. I agree, hundred percent, man. I think um, you know anymore, and especially now, because you're not having to go in and sit down in front of a record. Man, back in the '90s, there was a guy here in town who had a had a company, and they would do these karaoke tracks, and it was all current stuff, mostly stuff he owned. Sony Tree, so <laughs> he owned everybody. You know, Sony, Sony no now owns Sinatra and and uh, you know a lot of really heavy. But anyway, he he was he made his money in publishing. And he would do these songs where he would do a copy of the song and he would do it in three different keys. He would do it in a low, a medium, and a high. And if you just wanted to perform it publicly, it was 50 bucks. If you wanted to record it, it was 100. And the guy made just mints, just printing money because people would buy the tracks and they'd be like, yeah, this sounds great. And I approached him about um, about doing a record, um, but it was sort of like a music minus one play along. It was, it was along these... Uh, these idea, the same idea as Vinny and the Hitman, but it was a recording. We'd go in and we'd do all the rhythm stuff. We'd do uh, a four-piece horn section, and then you could pull each one of the, through the recording, you could pull each one. You could play the trumpet part or the sax or the tenor part or the trombone part, or you could have a whole section playing along with it. I thought it was a you know, killer idea, and I remember going into his office and you know, sitting in the chair that was lower than his, and it was just this, it was like, he was like, felt like he was 60 feet away and when he spoke his voice was super low like uh like uh you know like uh like uh like uh, uh the guy that does dirty jobs i love him um mike Rowe. mike Rowe. and uh, but with an echo what do you have for me 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 you know what i mean it was just like it was terrible now you don't have to do that that's one of the really cool things about this record that I want to explain to everybody too. Um, so if you have an idea now, listen, man, you know, again, what you say, you know, it may not be commercially successful, but you just never know, man, there's been some stuff that has changed venue. And what I mean by that is like, it's come out on a record and then it's turned up on a TV commercial or it's turned up in a movie soundtrack and it's become hits. Um, that was not mainstream. So if you have an idea, Get together a very simple recording rig. If you're a keyboard player, all you need is a computer and a keyboard. If you're a horn player, you can get, you can start with a $40 Amazon USB microphone and build it up from there. Because when you get your first check, the first thing you're going to buy is a new microphone from Michael Barkley, <laughs> our friend in Northern Ireland, Barkley Infinity Microphones. Um so like, yeah, there, there are no limits. There are no limits to what you can do. And, and I wanted to, speaking of the record company, for years, man, the record companies made the lion's share of the, of the, of the money. I was on tours in the early 90s where 
the artist would be like, well, I mean, what are you going to give us in tour support? And the record company would pay for all of the buses for the whole tour. That's how much money they were making, you know, $5,000 a week or $6,000 a week per bus, four buses, $25,000 a week, 10 week tour, quarter of a million dollars. Didn't even, not even a drip of sweat off of their forehead. Now they have these 360 deals where um, they own a portion of everything. They own merch and they own, you know, if you appear on TV, they get a portion of that. If this, that, you know, I mean, it's just, it's vicious because it's very difficult to make money in the music business. This is what we did with this record. This is one of the coolest things um, I've, I've come up with. Uh, I have, I didn't come up with that. That has been put in my path. It's called a joint venture. So everybody on the record gets a percentage of the gross sales of the record. So let's say, as an example, I'm not going to tell you what the guys are making, but let's just say as an example that you get 5% of every record sold. The record sells for $10. Okay, that's 50 cents. That doesn't seem like a lot of money. If you sell 100 records, it's 50 bucks. If you sell a thousand records, which is not difficult to do, especially with, you know, the social media following and, you know, be appearing on, on podcasts like this. I mean, you know, guys might, you know, just say, oh, it's 10 bucks. I mean, we, you know, it's, it's two gallons of gas or whatever it is. You know what I mean? So if we sell a thousand, 5% would be $500. So if we sell 10,000, that same musician is going to make $5,000 for two days work in the studio. And I guarantee you, if we sell 10,000 records, it will be the best and most lucrative session anybody in that band has ever done, including residuals, which which I get, you know, I get a fair, fair little pop from residuals. But if we started to get into it, I mean, you can do the math. I'm doing, you know, I'm doing... 100, 1,000, 10,000, if we got lucky enough to sell 100,000 records, then the guy that he didn't do any writing, he came in and he was awesome and he played his part, is going to make $50,000. I want you guys to think about that. I want people to think about that when they grab this digital download and they say to their best friend, man, you got to hear this record. I'm going to lay it on you. It's ten dollars. It's ten bucks. I mean, seriously, that's a that's a that's a meal at McDonald's, which I don't, you know, I don't. I hope none of you do. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it's you know, it's a couple bottles of water. You know, it's three gallons of gas. It's nothing these days. It's ten dollars, but it means a tremendous amount to the people that put the time and energy into this thing. And I think it's a really fair deal because if let's say we paid everybody master session. Uh, with doubles, so they they'd be making about five hundred dollars a session. We did four sessions, so that's two thousand dollars. But that's the limit. No matter how many records it sells, you're going to make two thousand dollars. This has so much potential to be a great Christmas present for these cats that played on this record for a long time. The other thing is, every year we're going to add four, three or four tunes to the collection. So it'll come, you know, November first next year. It'll come up again, and a whole different demographic of people can buy it again and then add another four tunes for a couple of bucks. 
um, it's really a, I think it's a smart way of doing it and it's a really fair way of doing it. And once everybody kind of understood the the math and how it worked, um, it, it's, I think it's a really cool thing and I encourage other people to do it. It's a, it's an official union contract. You do it under the auspices of the union. Everybody writes their name, their social, what they played and their percentage goes at the end. If it goes into a movie with some of this music, man, this could be like a subway commercial or a, you know, or whatever the deal is right. when it changes venue like that. And under the auspices of the, of the union, each one of these guys will make for every 13 weeks it plays a tremendous, tremendous little taste. And so it is definitely the gift that's going to keep it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving for the people that are going to receive it because every time they turn it on, it's going to smile, joy, you know, a reminder of the season, the reason why we're here and all that stuff. I've got one. I've got a super rough mix of, of all of the tunes, but I got one in particular. Can I play it? Oh yeah. I'd love to hear. Think yeah. Let, let, let's see. What we, let's see what we got here. So basically what, you know, what they do is they get all of it. The, there were 70 tracks on each one of these tunes, 70 plus tracks on each one of these tunes, all the way from drums to percussion and, 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 and all the horns and guitars and, and everything. So the mix engineers, they get a hold of it. And they put together a little quick, what they call a rough mix. And so what we do with that rough mix is we give it to the video guys as a placeholder. So when they're working, they can say, okay, the trumpets are featured here. Let's do a shot of the trumpets. Okay. So this is John Hinchy's arrangement of uh, We Three Kings. And it's done in, well, I'll tell you the style of it afterwards, but you're going to guess it right away. I'll play about, I'll play about 30 seconds. See if you can, see if you can recognize it. You ready? Let's do this. listen to the whole thing but uh, oh, but that's that's, that is the bass playing is killing on that <laughs> it's so stupid man i mean it's just like the the drummer steve eby um he's a he's a huge in education man he teaches a lot uh, he was the he was the tribute band drummer around here forever man um this guy played in every he played in the chicago band the steely dan band uh you know the eagles the, every every tribute band, and this guy would show up before the advent of iPads, and he would have a ring binder with his shorthand on every song. And I'm telling you, man, I played dozens and dozens of gigs with this cat, and I never heard him miss. I never heard him miss one time. The most prepared guy, and the drum, the the drum, he does a uh, like a drum solo in the middle of that. Let's see if we can find it, man, because it's just so it's so badass. I'm sorry, I'm gonna turn it on again, okay? Let me see if I can find it here. Okay. 
I mean, it's not just about like if you want to sit there and turn this thing up to like eleven and just just really get crazy with the horns. It's it, it's definitely a record for you, you know. Um, get a little wassail or some eggnog or something, but but the the rhythm section, man, is just like the key. Like there's a couple of B three solos by two, Johnny Two Takes, and and it's just like every like there's so much going on. It, it's cohesive. It sounds like a band. But if you really focused on one thing, like that melody we just did, in the background, on the second time through, um, one of the trumpet players takes it up an octave, and it's clean as a pin, man. And you're just like, well, that's different. Wait, I gotta listen to that again. I mean, it's just so much stuff that you can dig into. And then if you're if you're a rock and roll fan, a Led Zeppelin fan, that song, man, is just like you know, it's it's crazy. crazy. Yeah. That's not so, and they're all like that. They're like, we did. Um, there's a there's a little raps, not really a rap section, but do you remember when Springsteen did Santa Claus is Coming to Town and he was yeah. talking to the band? You know, when we yeah. did that, and uh, and I was hollering at the band, and we we did that. It was kind of in the style of that. Let's see what else. Um, uh, we did one in the style of uh, Whitney Houston, um, Greatest Love. You know, we did from from the from the eighties. We did one in that, and it's just it's so all over the place. It's really cool. Um, we did a we did a reggae version of uh, I forget which tune it was, and then um, Scott, who I was talking about earlier, Scott Hearn, who's the bass drum player, also an arranger, did an arrangement of I think that's in the. I think that's in the bleak. No, that's low how a rose. And I'm sitting up on high D's and E's in two octaves with the trumpets in the staff and the trombones below me. And it is pristinely in tune. It's just like, it was, it's some of the hardest stuff I've ever done. I was like, I can't do this. This is not my thing. And I, and I, it was, it's going to be a great record, man. Oh, I mean, I, I love to see the excitement, the enthusiasm, uh, uh, you know, it, so I, I know I'm going to have it. I know I'm going to have it for sure. But, you know, one, one of the things that, that um, I mean, I, I saw a post that you did uh, recently about, uh, you know, being a leader and uh, stuff like that. But is this is this the first band that you've actually kind of put together, led officially? Uh, sort of. I had a band when I was in my 20s, and, and we were all a bunch of college friends. We were in our last year of college. I had left and, and gone, and, and uh, I was in Cincinnati for a year, and I played in a 13-piece house band, man. And I came back to Baltimore, and I just, I just, I had the whole book, and and uh, it was it was really great. And so I, I got some of my college buddies, and we put together a band called The Heat and the Cold Sweat Horns. And it was a, basically a corporate band. You know, we played clubs around Baltimore and all that kind of stuff. And I, I could, I could write a very short book on everything you should not do as a band leader from that experience. And so I, I've tried to take the best band leaders that I've had, uh, and there have been some really good ones, um, and and take that along with the stuff that I did incorrectly with my very first band. And combine it into this band to to be a better a better leader. The the big one, and I think the one that surprises people is when I call and say, "Man, I got a gig," and I got a gig, and and the guy on the other end of the phone says, 
you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm already working. And, and, you know, I've been in that situation where the band leader was like, well, I need you. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry, I've made a commitment to somebody else. And, well, I'm never going to call you, blah, blah, you know, whatever, whatever it wound up being. And uh, the cool thing is, is that I have this, I have this sense of joy when I know that the guy, first of all, the reason why they're working is because they're the baddest cats in town. That's number one. So I got good taste in musicians. And secondly, um, I, I want them to work. I mean, one of one of the kids that couldn't do, one of the guys that couldn't do the sessions said, Vinny, I got two master sessions that day. And I'm like, you need to do those, man. You need to do those and you don't need to give it a second thought ever because that's where you need to be. You know, I want this to be part of your future, but this band will always be here and those master sessions will not. <laughs> so, you know, that that's been the biggest learning thing for me is to be to really be happy for my people when they're working yeah yeah well and you know it's it's a it's a different world uh you know i i have had this conversation with a lot of a lot of people and people that i work with even to this day uh you know if they're if they're like in their their 30s their 20s or 30s um they didn't go through the heyday of the of the horn bands, you know, like if, if you were if you were out gigging in the seventies and eighties, yeah, you you know you could find a band to play with full time, um, and that doesn't happen anymore. There there you know there are very few bands that are there. I mean there are a few out there, but but there are few and far between that are working so much that you can reasonably say this is my gig. And, you know, I don't need to do anything else. So if you want to make a living playing, you have to be much more of a freelance player and you have to, and you have to take gigs as they come up. Uh, but like you were saying, and that it's, it's the difference between uh, being happy for someone because they're, they're, you know, they're good and they're, they're able to do something. Uh, and then uh, taking it personally when they can't make a, make a hit, you know, and it's like, no, it's got nothing to do with you. It's got everything to do with, you know, A, I got to make my my rent and B, being a person of your word of, you know, if I made a commitment to somebody, if someone asked me to do something and I say, I'm going to do this, then not backing out of it, uh, you know, because, of, you know, something something better, you know, the, the big BBD shows up. You know, it's like saying, no, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm committed. I, I made my my commitment. I must honor this commitment. And, you know, in the future, when you ask me to do something and I say yes, and you know that you can count on me, you know, so I, I, cause I, I feel kind of like, you know, it's janky when people keep, you know, constantly bailing on gigs. Like, well, that's when I stop. That's when I would stop calling someone if they, if they, if, if they're constantly bailing on stuff to, to chase, chase the bigger and better hit. But if it, if it is, if it's like, um, I remember um, several times through my career where, you know, I would, I got smart enough to tell the people, the only reason I would bail on you is for a big session or a TV show, because those are the two things that I really, really enjoyed doing the most. And that's what I see as my future. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I can't, I don't want to stand and play for four hours at a time, unless it's on a TV show or a recording session. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sit in a recording session. So I, I, there have been a couple of times when I've said that 
and 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 then had to call and say, look, man, I got a call. That was a big band gig last year, and the kid is really nice, and I really want to play with the band. But I got called to do the Huckabee show, and it's a it's a it's there's no rehearsal. You basically do an extended sound check. You tape the show, and I I don't even know what it pays, but it, it's good and it's TV, and my mom can see me. That, that's a, that's like a big thing. Can my mom see me doing this? Well, then it's a priority. You know what I mean? Yeah, At 84 yeah. years old and living 800 miles away. So, um, yeah, man. I mean, I, I just, um, but it is, it's not for the weak, man. Being a band leader is, it's just not, you know, I, I know that when we do a $25,000 gig, I'm going to get my leader's share and I'll make back a little bit of the money that I've invested on this. And everybody in the band knows that. They know you know, if I call them and say, hey, we got a gig and it pays a thousand bucks, they're going to be like, uh, yes, I'll be there. I want this band to turn into, and I think this is substantial enough to, I want it to be, alluding to what I was talking about, I want it to be a $25,000 a year account for the sidemen. Because if you look at like, like how much, I don't want to know, but how much do you make off of the, the the wedding band? Let's say, you know, whatever it is. All right. That's a substantial, let's say it's $15,000 a year. That's a substantial account. And it's a portion of your income that, that can't, that you don't want to go away um, and can't go unnoticed. Um, I used to do it with session accounts. Like I would say this, this producer is a $5,000 a year account. I have, I have to, I have to make him a priority. And, and so, and then the way past that is you say, you know, you only need 15 of those, you know, to be making $75,000 a year, which at the time was a goal. It's about 200 bucks a day. And I was like, you know, my first goal was to make a hundred dollars a day. Then it was a thousand dollars a week. And then it was $200 a day. And it, you know, and it's changed through the years financially because I don't put as much emphasis on the money, but I know that the, the, the older guys that are sort of settled in that are in the band, they're like, they're the first guys to say, yeah, sure. I'll do it for a percentage. I, I believe in the project, the younger guys that are not, and are just coming up. Those are the guys that are like, well, I could teach six lessons that day and make, you know, 300 bucks, or I could come and do this, you know, this high school gig for 150. So I'm going to need to hang with the lessons. I get that. I totally understand that. And they have made a commitment to the kids. Although with the teaching thing, do you do any teaching? Uh, not a whole lot anymore. No, I don't either. But with the teaching thing, like a, a friend of mine, old friend of mine, Jimmy Bolin, Jimmy and I made a couple thousand records together. Um, he's a great husband and a father, got a, two beautiful kids and a wife and a family, a uh, saxophone player, but like doubler extraordinaire, you know, just bought like a ridiculous flute and, he did a session and it was the principal clarinetist, the principal flautist, the principal oboe, and him in the section to play both clarinet and flute when they needed him. So he's that guy. But he said, you know, he was teaching at TSU, to, uh, Tennessee State. Um, and he, you know, he would get a call for a session and have to call the kid and say, we need to reschedule. And I'm going to tell you why this session. Um, I, I really enjoy recording. It's what it's what I want to do with my career. Um, it pays four hundred and fifty dollars. And because my schedule after that is flexible and I know yours is, too, because I've already asked you, I want you to understand it's OK to move this as long as I honor my commitment to you, because 
I believe that you're going to be a player of the caliber that will have to do the same thing. And this is the professional way to do it. So it's an opportunity to, so that's, that's a little bit different too, but man, there's so many great players here, you know, and I knew with a 14 piece band, I was going to have to be real deep on the sub list. So I got my guys that I call first and I always hope that they can make it. But then I've got guys that are equally as competent. I had Mike, my friend, Mike Haynes on the Christmas session. If you listen to any music from mid 1980 through today that had trumpet on it, Mike was likely on it. Thousands and thousands or the best lead trumpet player I've ever heard in my life and brings no matter what part he's playing, he brings incredible musical vibes. If he's playing third trumpet, he makes the second trumpet player and the lead trumpet player better because of the way that he plays third trumpet. I mean, he's just a gifted guy. I've never heard anything like it. I've never been with anybody like it in my life. And so Tyler, my regular Tyler Yeager couldn't make the session and I was able to call Mike Haynes, which is a, a step in the exact same direction as far as excellence goes. You know what I mean? And, and just being able to hang out with him for the day, he was kind of the, he's a Buddhist. So he's kind of a, the peacemaker and, it would just be like, you know, we'd get to the end of a take and people would be like, oh my God, I got to do that. I'd be like, Ding! you know, it's kind of, it's just, it just chilled everything out, man. He was, as a matter of fact, he's credited on the record as the peacemaker. You know what I mean? He's just a, an incredible person. And so when you're deep like that, man, um, Jack, do you know Jack Wengrowski? No. He, played lead, he also played lead trumpet with, um, with the, uh, with the uh, jazz ambassadors for 20 years. He lives here in town. Okay. He's a badass, man. I mean, the cat can play, you know what I mean? And and so if I need somebody on any part, any place jazz, went down to Miami, got a master's in jazz studies. And so he can play lead and he can play jazz and he's a good hang. So, you know, if Tyler or Rob can't make it, he's one of the guys that I would call or Mike or, 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 or. And so it's just, it's real deep, man. So it's, it's real cool. So I'm happy when Rob or Tyler can't, when they can make it, I'm more happy when they can make it. But when they can't, you just go down the list as a band leader. You go down the list. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to yeah. get to the point where I ex that I put somebody on the list because they're always available. I always want to call the guys that I know are working first because I know it's because they're the best. And that's what I want to put in front of the students because if a, if a college student is sitting there and he's listening to this guy play a jazz solo and he's going, well, I mean, I, I think I could do that. I want it to be, holy crap, I got to talk to this guy so I can find out how in the world I can do that. You know yeah. what I mean? So those kind of things, man. I just, I just, I love it, man. I, yeah. love, I love doing what I do. Yeah. Well, and I think that like for you, um, you know, all of the things that you've experienced over your career, um, you know, the, the, the different acts that you've played with, all the sessions that you've done, um, you know, the, this kind of, in a way, kind of brings that all together. And, you know, I, I think that uh, uh, going back to earlier statements, like, you know, this is, this is the perfect spot. This is the place that you need to be in your life right now. And just enjoy the ride, man. It, it, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to watch unfold. Thank you very much, man. I'm 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 super excited about it. And of course, when um, 
when we're up uh, when we're up your way you will be our special guest for a uh, for a feature uh, we got some really cool stuff coming up man jeff coffin you know jeff oh yeah from okay jeff jeff's an old friend um i jeff and i came to town exactly the same time and i always knew that he was special i had no idea that he was going to be such an incredible superstar and the reason why he's a superstar is because of his playing and the changes that he's gone through as a human being. Because when I first met him, much like myself, he was not as kind or as peaceful or as uh, centered as he is now. And that cat now is just a bundle of love and joy and peacefulness, which is really awesome. Until he picks up a saxophone and then he still sounds angry sometimes. <laughs> Monster player. So I, I called him and I said, hey, I, I told him about the band. And, and, you know, you don't have to spend much time with me talking about Vinny and the Hitman to know how passionate I am about it and how I am going to do everything in my power to make it, uh, you know, a success. And by success, I don't mean money. I don't mean records. I don't mean recordings. I don't mean Facebook followers or Instagram followers. I mean standing in front of a group of people and touching one person in the crowd, touching their soul in a way that makes them understand everything I wanted to do is possible. That's what I want to do. And if we're in front of 300 or 3,000 and we get one, job's done. Move on to the next crowd. You know what I mean? So Jeff, I told Jeff about it and he's like, man, stop. I'm in. What do you need? So Jeff is going to do a feature. We're recording it in January. And one of the first things he says was, uh, man, I'd love to share this with the Dave Matthews people, you know, the fan groups. They'll love it. I don't know if you know those numbers, man, but that's like, it's pretty oh, extraordinary. Yeah, I, I know those numbers. Yes. <laughs> here's, the other, here's the other one. Um, uh, Lusinger is his last name, the guitar player with uh, Garth, Garth Brooks. He and I have worked together on the Musicians Hall of Fame stuff. Uh, he's a he's an incredible human being. He's been with Garth since the '80s. He was his first guitar player, and now you know his his last guitar player. You know, they just did a world tour. And I said I want to do a Garth tune, and he had a recommendation for a song. And uh, he said, "Well, this is what I this is what I want to do, man. I want to play the lead, and then the horns come in, and it's like kind of a gospely R&B thing. I think it'll be great." And without even asking, he said. And I, I really want to uh, share this with the Garth's people. You think that would be okay? And I was like, yes, please. So that's that's millions. You know what I mean? And and I mean, like, you know, they're Garth fans and they're Dave Matthews fans. So just to get that kind of exposure is really incredible. And and um, I had a great experience the other day. It was really cool. Jay Webb, do you know Jay? With um, yeah, no, Jay. Corey Wong. Yeah. Corey Wong. And the, okay, well, Jay's a great guy. And, and you know, he went from... He went from zero to a hundred really quick. He's over a hundred thousand followers on Facebook and it's because of the content and the, the quality of the content. And those guys are goofballs. Corey is a genius, goofy, goofy man. Um, so Jay put a post up and do any of my Nashville, this is last week. Uh, any of my Nashville or New York buddies have a pocket trumpet. And somebody tagged me in it, and, and Jay and I know each other uh, cursorily. You know, we've tried to have lunch down here a bunch of times, and and I said, "Man, I got one," and I PM'd him, and then we started texting. And he said, "Man, you know, I just I don't want to buy one." And and Corey wants to do a gag with it. You know, they're all playing mini instruments, 
And I said, yeah, man, sure. And so I went down um, to the rehearsal and it's all set up. And of course I want to stay and hear the rehearsal, man, golly. But um, they were they were on lunch. Jay came up, trombone player, uh, Mike, I think his name is Michael. And, uh, and at the end of the conversation, you know, he tried it. He was trying to play it like a piccolo. He kept fingering, fingering like piccolo. And I said, it's not a piccolo, man, come on. He's like, I'm never gonna get used to this. So I gave it to him. He's gonna use it for three weeks, gonna ship it back through Jay Landers up there in New York City. He said, you know, man, thank you so much. I said, well, there's a catch. <laughs> and he said, you know, he's from New York. So he's like, what do you want? I said, uh, we're doing a Christmas record with Vinny and the Hitmen. Do you know the band? He said, oh, my God, yeah. And the trombone player said, oh, yeah, you did that thing with Roy Agee. Uh, get it on, man. That was killer. You know, great. Um, I said, I, I would like it once we figure out, you know, uh, the drop date and all that stuff on the drop date. I want you to put it on your social media. And he said, absolutely how many times you want me to do it and so it's like this the energy and the synergy and the and all of that stuff i think that comes from the infectious or contagious energy that that comes from the source no matter what it is you meet people and you just want to be with them or you just want to help them or you just want to be a part of what they're doing and it doesn't take i'm i'm you know, I haven't been this passionate about a lot of things in my life, with the possible exception of my my trumpet playing and, and my beautiful wife, Beth, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's a real joy to watch it happen. It's a real joy to watch it happen. And 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 I find myself in those moments where I'm like, you know, I put some pretty crazy stuff out there and it's all come true. You know, sh should I put more out there? And of course the answer is absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, man. I got a guy, uh, the guy that we work for, Joe West over at the, the barn. He said, man, I got a project coming up. I'd like to use the whole horn section on it. And it's a major label project, project so it'll all be on the card. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we're going to, as a result of us recording at his place, we're going to be on a record, all of us. I don't have to, I don't have to decide when I get the call. Hey, man, I only need a four-piece section. I don't have to decide who to call. I call the guys that were there. It's just awesome. So I don't know what's happening, man, but I am digging it. And, yeah. uh, and I, you know, I think when people, when people buy this record, man, they're going to, they're going to feel it. They're going to, it's palpable in those recordings, man. They're going to feel it. And uh, I'm hoping to make a lot of noses bleed when they, when they crank it up to 11, you know, and, and uh, I think it's going to be great. Yeah. Great. Well, it, it it certainly will. I mean, I know it will be great. And I know that, uh, you know, for just from the little clip that, that you played for us, um, I mean, it's got it all, you know, it, it's got, it's got the excitement. It's, it's got the, the musicality, uh, the pyrotechnics, uh, but, but more than anything else, it, it's got passion, you know, and, and that comes out. Yeah, so this isn't and nothing, you know, nothing against uh, other session work that that people do, but you know, sometimes you know people are playing, you know, they're playing for the paycheck, um, and you know, this is this is all this is all from the heart. So uh, I'm, I got, I'm I got sure. I got another one. Let me play it, and then and then we can. Uh, I know you're busy. We'll say goodbye. This is. Um... Starts out as kind of a brass chorale. It's really pretty. And then it goes into a, a groove that I am absolutely positive you will recognize. All right, here we go. Let's see it. Mm -hmm. 
G. Oh, yeah. <laughs> little sweet kiss off there. <laughs> a little jump jive and uh, way over there. How about that, man? Isn't that something? Oh, oh that's, I, hope that's we don't get in trouble. I hope we don't get in trouble from the publishers, man. <laughs> we, we ripped off a lot of good music. <laughs> uh, you know, Im- imitation is a, the sincerest form of flattery. So, uh, yeah, that's great, man. Yeah, well, you, know, you you do you have to you have to have a sense of humor, I think. Uh, but yeah, I mean that that's phenomenal, and I'm just so so happy that you have gotten this off the ground because you know I remember talking with you when when this uh, first kind of came up, the whole idea came up, and yeah, I talked to you, I talked to to Jaeger and 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 stuff, and and I think it's this is just really it, it has the potential to be. Um, very impactful in so many different ways, you know, and uh, I was going to ask you the question, what, what, you know, what your definition of success for, for the band was, and, and you've already answered that, you know, that, you know, you, you, you definitely have a vision of what you want this to be. And I think that's going to be the key that, you know, as long as, as long as that vision stays clear and you've got, you obviously have people that, uh, that are on the same wavelength, you know, uh, that, that are passionate about what they're doing and how they can contribute to what your, your vision for this is of, of creating change in people, touching people's lives. So, man, I, I'm just, I'm so excited about this. I mean, I, uh, I, I just, I hope everybody not only buys a copy of this for themselves, but you know, buy buy it for for all your music lovers in your uh, in your family, man. Uh, Ten bucks. I mean, that's a great Christmas gift right there. So oh, hey, on the on the it, it, and it gets better um, on the pre orders, man. If you if you buy five downloads, it's forty five bucks. So they're, they're, yeah, yeah. And then you know, once once December first um, hits, it'll go up to twelve bucks and ten bucks. So it's still ten bucks. 10 bucks each for five downloads. And then what you can do is with a good conscience, honest to goodness, anybody who's a, a muso or who has done any recording or understands the industry at all knows that, you know, I, I mean, these in a perfect world, music would be free, but then somehow the musicians would still be getting paid because my wife and I have this discussion all the time. Like, you know, they it's called playing a trumpet. It's not called working a trumpet. 
um, you know, when I was on tour with Martina, one of the first gigs we did was like a corporate thing in on the west coast of Mexico. And we get to the to the lobby and they have, you know, tequila shots and they're whales jumping out of the Pacific Ocean, you know. Uh, and and I tried to convince her that it was work. <laughs> <laughs> she still doesn't believe it. And it's been six or eight years, man. She's like, oh, Mexico. Really? Uh, really? Yeah. So. Um, you know, but man, I, you know, I just, I, you know, and, and I, he, this is the first podcast I've done about, about, I've mentioned it before, but this is the first one I've done about it. And you were the first person I thought about, man, because I really feel like the wave wavelength uh, that you travel through life on is it's something to aspire to. Like, you know, when I grow up, I want to be more like you, like, and and I know it's not a perfect journey, I, but that's but but those two words, it's a journey. You know yeah. what I mean? And I like the direction that you've that you've chosen for yourself, uh, and I I love the direction that you're trying to help other people go in. And I knew that because I am so frenetic with this video in the headband, you know. And I just I knew that you would be the perfect guy to keep it to keep it on the rails and, and, uh, and the perfect venue to kind of introduce this, this, the first, this is really the first, um, the first time we've talked about the, I've been, you know, yammering on about a Christmas record, but I had no idea it would really be a reality. This is really the first one and probably the only one I'll do. Um, and we're just, we're going to feature it on positive trumpeters worldwide, you know, and hope people bite, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. But, but, uh, you know, just encouraging as many people to, if you don't buy our record, this is what I would ask of anybody that's watching. If you don't buy our record this year, which I'd love for you to do, um, buy somebody's music. Because I'm telling you, man, that one record sale makes a difference. Yeah, It, it really does, man. It's, it's both, you know, intrinsic by, you know, I'm kind of a counter so, you know, as soon as, as soon as we start getting sales, I'm going to be sitting around, you know, you know, you know, oh, we got 45. It's awesome. You know what I mean? And it's just like, I just want these guys to be rewarded so greatly for their time and their talents and, and the, and the way that they gave of themselves to this crazy idea. And if, if, if somebody buys the record that translates directly to everybody in the band, um, and, it's just phenomenal yeah, just well, and you know not not to be a debbie downer um but that, that's one of the things that frustrates me the most i think um in dealing with musicians is um i mean granted i know you know there there are a handful there are a handful of us out there that are making good bank and the vast majority are just you know you know they're 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 surviving uh and i understand you know wanting to save a buck here and and things like that but you know supporting fellow artists i think is just it, it's so important you know it, it's you can't always be like hey man can you get me into this gig hey man can you get you know give me a copy of this or you know give me give me give me give me um you know it, like even even doing this podcast you know it, it's a it's a labor of love and it's an expense, you know, it, it is an expense. And, you know, for when people, when people take, sometimes they take that for granted and, you know, it, 
you, you really do need to support the people that are producing content that, uh, that you are gaining benefit from. So whether it's, you know, uh, you know, go out and buy that album, go out and buy that t-shirt, uh, you know, what, whatever it is, but, but support the people that are, that are making the music that you love because, you know, if you're a musician, you of all people should be doing that because you know what it feels like. You know, you, you know what it feels like to, to, to play that four hour gig for, for 25 bucks and, and a free beer. Yeah. <laughs> no, nobody loves doing that. So, yeah. And I'll, I'll say this, man, I, I've done it. I've done it many times. Last night I played a salsa concert with my friend, Alalo Davila. He's a Pearl artist down at MTSU. He's been, he's been at the school for 35 years. He's been tenured for 25. So first time they've ever allowed him to do a concert on campus of his band. And it went over great. It went over killer. And it was me and Robin Tyler and two trombones and two saxophones. And we were playing, you know, Esta Noche. And, you know, we, we were doing it just some really challenging material. But I was able to kind of just hang out and just, you know, when I, anything above the staff, then I would just play, you know what I mean? So it was really great. And um, two things happened. There was a girl uh, who was playing in the, in the college salsa band and she was warming up on her excerpts in the band room. And I heard her and I walked up to her and I said, what's your name? And she said, Grace. I said, Grace, you sound fantastic. And she said, well, thank you very much. I said, you also owe me five bucks. And she said, what for? I said, because you're warming up on classical music for a salsa gig. No. <laughs> and she, but what's going to happen is, man, through a conversation, she's getting ready to um, do, I don't, I don't know what it's called technically, you might know. They send in a audition MP3 um, to, for graduate school. So it's like prelims or whatever the deal is, I guess. And I said, well, how are you doing it? And she said, well, I, you know, I, I usually do it in the auditorium here live with a piano player and, and we, we get once through and I have somebody here engineer it. I said, you need to come to my place. You need to come to my place, get your keyboard player to bring a digital piano. We'll get all the beds down and then you can do it. And the microphone and the processing and the mixing will, all things being equal, if there's five trumpet players trying for this thing, we'll put you at the next level because of the quality of the recording. They'll take you more seriously because they'll be able to hear what you did. This won't be into an iPhone. And uh, so it, it's really a lot of synergy there. And then after the concert, this kid comes up to me, wide-eyed, just big saucer eyes, and and he's standing around with a couple. I could tell they were trumpet guys, and he's like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "Man, it's easy when you're playing with these guys." And blah 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 blah. I said, "I said, are you a trumpet player?" He said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I said, "Well, what do you want to do?" He said, "Right now, I want to sit down with you and play some notes." And I said, "Well, let's get together, man. Let's grab a bunch of the guys and come over to the studio, and we'll have a trumpet hang." And they're like, oh, really? Would you do that? And I'm like, yeah, of course I would. And as I was walking away and I said, and it's free. And they freaked out, you know what I mean? Because I don't I don't really charge for, I don't, what the hang time with me is not really a lesson. I can't teach anybody anything about playing a trumpet, but I can help you with the general things like drinking more water and having a better attitude, you know? <laughs> but it was it was so cool to be able to do that, man, to be able to, to just on that small scale, um, I, it, and, and that would be something I would have had to have thought about back in the day. And it, 
now it's something I desire and I want, I want to do it. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm just ready to. And so that, that's a couple of cool things that came out of last night. Yeah, that's really well, yeah. and, and I, I think you're going to be getting a lot more of that once, you know, you guys start start hitting the schools and stuff like that, because uh, just that talent that that's on, that's going to be on the stage with you and just the, the sheer energy and the, the joy that it's going to bring to people. You know, you, you're going to inspire a, a whole group of people because for so many people, they can only see those really regimented tracks. Like I either will be an orchestral player and have a symphony gig, or I will be a teacher, or I will be playing jazz clubs. And they don't see the, the breadth of opportunities that is available again if you have a vision and if you have a passion and if you put it put it into play so that i think that's going to be the biggest impact that that you're going to be able to make is just like it's out there you, you just got to go for it and that will be a dream come true for me to pass that on to the next generation so i know that i'll be leaving it in good and safe hands mm, that's, whatever that's legacy whatever legacy we've created or that I've created as a player, I will leave it in good hands. And that's what I want to do. Awesome. Well, um, you have a minute to do a, a quick rapid fire round. Oh yeah, sure. All right. I got, I got a new set of questions. I, I, I came up with a new set of questions just for my return guests. You're, you're the only my, my, you know, so uh, I, I, we'll see how these go. So uh, all right, brother, here we go. First question. Uh, what is the one thing that you have always wanted to do but haven't? Tour with Elton John. Oh, okay. Um, if, you, <laughs> if you could master any instrument besides the trumpet, what would it be? Bass trombone. All right. Um, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would you want to be? You know what? That would be a great question for my wife. And wherever she goes, that's where I want to be. All right. <laughs> In Mexico with the whales. Um, that's right. <laughs> what's your favorite dessert? Oh, man. Uh, Beth and I go once a week to Sweet Cece's for frozen yogurt. Okay. Again, the company is, is as good as the dessert. All right. What's your superpower? Oh, <laughs> my superpower is the power of positivity. Okay. What's your kryptonite? Oh, wow. Golly. Oh, just the opposite, man. You know, uh, the thing that brings me down the hardest is, is, uh, negativity. It makes me fearful and, uh, that's not a place I want to live or come from. Yeah. Right. Uh, do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? And I've been doing a lot of reading about this. I, I, I think I appear to be an extrovert, but I think what I am is like a kind of a, uh, a an introvert that is able to tolerate social situations in a competent way, <laughs> I think. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> that's me. I am an introvert by nature 
who had to learn to be an extrovert because of what I've chosen as career path. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No choice. All right, who's your favorite vocalist? Oh, wow. Uh, man, that, that is a long, long list. My favorite vocalist, Al Jarreau. Okay. Um, what is your vision of the perfect gig? Oh, my gosh. Well, anytime you have the three elements, uh, they say, you know, you want two of them. So it's people, music, and money. When you can combine the three of those and you're getting joy from all three of those things, that's that's the perfect gig. Okay. Uh, what's your vision of the perfect life? Perfect life? Man, it's real close right now. There, there were, there were... There were, there's only one thing that I would change about my entire existence right now. And I know you know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only thing I would change about my existence. And even with all my cricks and cracks and my bad knee and my bursitis and whatnot, you know, I would, yeah, man, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change a thing. Cause if I didn't go through what I went through, I would not be here. And right now here is a pretty damn good place to be. Mm, love it. Um, what's the one question you wish you never had to answer again? Uh, what mouthpiece are you using? <laughs> <laughs> All right. And what is the one question you would love to answer, but nobody ever asks? Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, that's such a great question, man. Um, uh, you know, where does it come from? Where does your, where does the music come from? Where does your energy come from? Where, where does all that stuff come from? And that's a long answer too, man. Golly, you better have some time if you don't ask that one. Uh, well, well, maybe we have to get you back for a third visit here soon. <laughs> All right. Uh, and uh, we're going to wrap it up with this, this two-parter. Um, if there was one thing that you could change about the world of music, what would it be? Um, gosh, I, I really think that, that you know, it's, it's pretty topical for me. I've seen a lot of people be taken advantage of financially by other people and companies. And I wish that the contribution that you make to music would be commiserately rewarded on every level. If you make a great contribution, um, and it's completely subjective, you know what I mean? If you make a great, great contribution to music, then you should be compensated in your soul and in your wallet and in your life and if you may, you know, and, and if yours is smaller or larger, uh, you know, I just, I just want to see it be more fair. There's too many people that are making a lot of money uh, that could be spread around a little more equally. That's kind of, I sound like I should be living in Russia or Cuba. <laughs> but with regard to music, with regard to music, I think that that would be, that would be really cool if everybody could be compensated for what they were and you know if there was some if there was some sort of 
bar. Remember I, I was talking about the person that you trust to be able to say, Jose, you've got talent, man. And, and if you do this, 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 and this, in my opinion, here's where you're going to be in 10 years, or here's where you're going to be next week or whatever the deal is. Um, it's like a good trumpet teacher. They don't treat, they don't teach you the stuff you're good at already. They teach you the stuff that you suck at. Right. And they make that better. Um, so yeah, that, but you, there's, there's a lot of people that don't, that don't measure up in the way that they're being receiving remuneration. Yeah. I don't know. That sounds terrible, but yeah. that's well, true. No, it's, it's the truth. All right. Final question. Um, what is the one thing that you would change um, about the world? Oh man, golly, that's enormous. I'd really want to, I I would want to get to the bottom of all of the issues that create conflict in the world. I mean, like judgment day, if you believe in that, if you believe in judgment day, everybody's going to be standing in the biggest room you've ever been in, in your life in front of God. And God is going to say, here's the deal guys, you know, and you're going to be like, oh, okay, now I understand. I want to be standing in that room and I want somebody who's so smart and so convincing and so correct to stand in front of us and say, this is the truth about climate change. This is the truth about guns. This is the truth about world hunger. This is the, and, and then take away the stuff that creates conflict and we could, you know, we could live in, we could live in peace. Uh, I mean, that's golly. That's, I don't know. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it makes, makes perfect sense. Yeah. That's what I would want to happen, man. To get to the bottom of it all. Yeah. Well, like you were saying earlier, you know, just uh, where does it all come from? You know, and if if we if we could answer that question, uh, I think life would be a lot easier. A heck of a put lot. Put it in a bottle and sell it. Distill <laughs> <laughs> it down, put it in a bottle, and just give everybody a bottle. You know, real cheap. That'd be good. Everybody yeah, be just happy. don't let the pharmaceutical companies get a hold of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth, man. That's yeah, truth. it is. Well, Vinny, my friend, it is always a pleasure talking with you and i am just so excited that this project is uh you know taken off and um you know for for anybody who wants to pre-order uh please check out the link in the show notes uh if you're watching this uh well after the pre-order date just order it anyway i don't care if, i don't care if you're, you're listening to this in, in uh in August of, of 2027, still go out and buy this. Yeah, we're, only talking, we're only talking about two bucks here, folks. Come on now. <laughs> exactly. Hey, man, I love you. Thank you so much for having me on, man. I just, I appreciate your time and I, I enjoy our time together so much. We got to hang and, and uh, do some damage to some uh, trumpet music and uh, possibly a bottle of fine uh, liquor. Uh, a bottle of of a fine uh, uh, Kentucky bourbon would be well appreciated, okay. unless unless our good friend Mike Barkley is uh, in town, in which case it will have to be Irish whiskey. So either one is fine with me. Either yeah, one is fine. As, as long as there's some ribs and brisket involved, uh, I'm down. You better believe it, brother. You better believe All right. it. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode of the Hang, and make sure you like and subscribe, share this with uh, your friends. 
and make sure you follow Vinny in the Hitmen. Uh, you're going to just be blown away by by what these guys are capable of uh, because they're all great individual musicians, but bring them together and it's it's synergy uh, defined right there. So uh, thank you, my brother, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Peace and slide grease. Thanks for hanging with us today. This podcast is all about creating deeper connections through our mutual love of music and the trumpet life. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and also like and share this episode with a friend. We want to see the hang grow for show. Please support our sponsors and consider becoming a personal supporter of this podcast as well. Remember, for less than the price of a bottle of valve oil a month, you can keep this podcast moving smoothly. The Trumpet Guru's Hang is recorded at the Candy Factory, a co-working space and social club located in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Jose Johnson is the executive producer. Post-production editing is by Mitch Bowers. Our opening theme song was composed and performed by Lexi Signor. And our closing theme music comes courtesy of The Greatest Funeral Ever. Incidental music is by Ethan Swayze and Jose Johnson. Graphic design by Ann Kirby of The Sweet Corps. The Trumpet Guru's Hang podcast is produced in collaboration with the So Good Lancaster Media Group. Mm-hmm.